podcast. I really hope you like it. What's up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. Thanks for joining me. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation that I'm going to get to have with an amazingly talented recording artist. I mean, he's the kind of talent that every time we've written a song together, I've thought to myself, I soon will be out of a job because of guys like this. But hey, I'll always have this podcast, right? Right? Please say yes, right? Hey, before we get into that conversation, though, I've got to make a special announcement. And where I come from, it's not a special announcement without a drum roll. So wherever you're listening from, in your car, at work, at school, don't listen at school, but, you know, wherever you're at, I want you to join me in a drum roll on the count of three. Make people look at you weird. It's all good. We'll all be weird together. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, that was good. All right, here's the special announcement. As many of you might remember, back in August, the band and I finally got together after missing each other for months, and we got together for West Fest. It was a virtual concert in honor of all the summer festivals that got canceled. It was live from the Story House, and it was a great way to get back together with my guys. And you, you made it so special. Thousands of people joining from all around the world. You got to pick the set list, too, which was really cool. Well, guess what? I'm missing my guys once again, and so we're back by popular demand. We're coming in strong this fall. Even though fall has fallen upon us, we can still have a festival. All I got to do is change the name, right? So here's the name of our event coming on October 16th. Are you ready? West Fall Fest. Say it with me. West Fall Fest. Come on. West Fall Fest. Ah, That's right. We're going fall in Did you like what I did there? I want you to join us. We made tickets super affordable so everybody could join us. Some people complain, like, why isn't it free? Well, guess what? Because you need to support your local musician in the year of 2020. The band and I, we are so glad to get together to make some music for you. We hope you'll join us. It's October 16th. Even if you miss the first airing of it, we'll keep the link up for a week so you can watch it 150 times if you want to. So support your local musicians. Get a ticket to Westfall Fest. It's going to be epic. And here's the best part. Just for listening to this podcast, you get $1 off your ticket when you use the code MWPODCAST. So go to matthewwest.veeps.com and use the code MWPODCAST. All right, let's get into today's conversation. My guest is a Georgia-born singer-songwriter. He's had hit songs like Freedom Hymn and Born Again, really busted onto the scene in a big way, one great song after the other. He just released a brand new EP called Wake Up Sleeper. He and I got to write a couple of the songs on that EP, and I can't wait to talk about that as well. But beyond just his music and his talent, this guy's got a powerful story to tell, a powerful testimony, and that's what this podcast is all about. So without further ado, let's go to the story house with my buddy, Austin French. Austin French, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I want to start with a very important question. How's your espresso drink? I started off with the best espresso initials I've ever seen. I was hoping you noticed that. Did you see mm-hmm. the A? Yes, it was very impressive. The frothy milk that I... That was the first time I attempted a design. Mm. Espresso's become kind of my thing Yeah. throughout quarantine. Like, I got an espresso machine. Now I'm like... You're in. I'm kind of deep into it. Mm. Deep state. 
<laughs> Matthew West cancels all of his shows just to make espresso. I even thought about growing a mustache because I feel like most baristas. <laughs> yes. And you know a little something about mm, like growing a mustache. I noticed during quarantine, your mustache was, it seemed like it was becoming a point of pride for mm, you. Like where yeah. I was just wondering, like, is your wife, I'm like, does she like the mustache? Is Are they fighting? Are they arguing when he's yeah, not on social media right. about the mustache? Or was it something she yeah, was it, into? It was something that happened by accident. I was trimming my beard and I had the wrong guard on. And I looked like a doofus. Wait, okay, so describe. So the, okay, the so face was too short the, or something? It was way, like, way too short. The guard was so short, I started right here kind of by my chin, and it instantly took it from like a beard to a goatee. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not reliving my past, so I will not you do You have a goatee past? No, I've just seen a lot of goatees in my past. Oh, man. I'll Did show you, you have a goatee? Okay, so in my studio, I have one of my first cassettes that I made. You're too young to know what a cassette <laughs> is, but it's this thing you'd, it's how they used yeah, to. Yeah, you press play, rewind, <laughs> fast forward. That's right. One of those things. Yeah. And uh, on the cover of my first project it was called september sun and there's i couldn't afford a color cover so it's black and white mm. but then i made it seem intentional like yeah. it was moody and it's me <laughs> leaning against a tree on my college campus and i have the mother of all <laughs> goatees it was perfectly <laughs> manicured it wasn't too long it wasn't yeah. like cool goatee guy yeah it didn't have length it was just thick it was okay. it was nice yeah nice so you didn't want the goatee i didn't want the goatee and at so. that point you're faced with a decision yeah so i like coffee most of the coffee guys i know have mustaches <laughs> see that's what i'm saying <laughs> so i said okay i can either i kind of just like shaved everything off but the mustache just to get a laugh out of my wife and then i walked in the room and she was like that's kind of i like that i kind of like that your wife is the only wife she is the exception the one in the million likes a mustache if i showed up at my house with a mustache like i'm not sure my <laughs> wife would let me inside i'd be sleeping in this vocal uh, booth right now i would like to see you with a mustache would honestly you? it would do something for my soul for sure what? Just <laughs> something you're <laughs> something. not sure what not sure it would either make me like cringe or be like man you go dude <laughs> i got a feeling i would look like do you ever see the episode of the office when Dwight was trying to like catch a predator. <laughs> so they did a criminal drawing of who they thought yes, the guy was. And it, was and it looked sketch. just like Dwight, but yes. with a mustache. Yep. I feel like I would wind up kind of looking kind of Dwighty. Just a little creepy. Okay. Yeah. Which is Dwighty. That's right. right. <laughs> There's a fine line with mustaches mm. that it's like, See, the, it's a fine line between distinguished and creepy. should be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know what I'm trying to say is you were on the right side oh, of that Oh, thank line. you. I wasn't like, oh, <laughs> warrant out for this guy's arrest. It's like, oh, yeah, he's kind of pulling it off. Which, by the way, if you haven't noticed by now, I just wanted this whole interview with you to be about facial hair. Yes. What is your, when you're not in a mustache season, mm -hmm. I feel like since I've known you, you've had some degree of facial hair, right? <laughs> yes. Do you ever just like shave totally it. shave? When I shave it, I look like I'm 13. and. uh I got news for you, you kind of still look like, <laughs> which is a good I look, thing. I think I look at like at least 15. With, with the beard. The beard. <laughs> with the beard. It's like he's hit puberty now. All right, cool. Like he's somewhat okay. Yeah, I mean, but even with the facial hair, you still look yeah. like if you showed your ID 
I'd think, no, it's a fake ID. Yeah, you're, you'd probably be right. So a little bit of facial hair mm-hmm. goes a long way. Yes, facial hair. People think you're a grown-up. It adds. It adds to the maturity, hopefully. It's a good look. You got yeah. a good look going. Thanks, man. The real thing that I'm noticing is, like, you can survive different facial hair stages. Mm. Some people, it only works one way right. or the other, right? So yeah. you seem like you've got it. Flexibility and uh, yeah. the mustache, beard, goatee. What's the scripture? You know, there's a season for everything. A time, a time for mustaches, a time for Absolutely. beards. We just moved, and so I have not shaved or trimmed in a while. So I got like the whole neck hair thing. I mean, it's just... Well, you were just too busy? Too busy. Wow. It That's takes busy. Time. It takes time. If you're too busy for the two minutes of yeah. trimming the facial hair, yep. you moving boxes, or moving. did you have people do that for Mo- you? Uh, we did it, and I kind of wish I would have had people do it Man. for me. But You should have called woo. me. Yeah. Because I would have... Called somebody else. Yeah, I would have called somebody else. (laughs) I know another guy. I would have helped. I would have helped, you know, I definitely would have helped you schedule Yeah, you could have prayed for us, too. Was it a lot of boxes? Yep. Three truck loads. I ordered the biggest U-Haul thinking, yeah, one trip, we're done. It's going to be great. Are you a hoarder? We're not a hoarder, but since the last time we moved, we had three kids. So we're talking playgrounds. We have a little girl, so that's like five closets worth of the same outfit. Okay, so so you have three kids. Yep. What are their ages? Five, three, and six months. And it's boy? Boy, boy, and little girl. And the girl is the youngest. Yeah. Six months. You have a six-month-old little baby girl. Six-month-old baby girl. And I've seen pictures. Gorgeous. She's cute. Your whole family is like... Thanks, man. I've thought about taking... Your family picture and <laughs> okay, just sending cool. it out as my Christmas card. That statement could have gone two different ways. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about taking and then you taking paused. Your <laughs> I would never do that. But oh, you thanks. do have a beautiful family. Thanks, man. And you have a, a pretty awesome, would you call it a blended family? I mean, what, yeah, what you... I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just like everybody's family. It's like messy regardless. Like you can either yeah. have kids and still walk through trenches and still find mountaintops or you can have uh, an adoption story in the midst of it. And that's kind of us. It's like there's still valley lows and there's still mountaintops and that's just family. It's like messy, beautiful. <sighs> Absolutely. So speaking of adoption, so your wife, you and your wife have been married for how many years? Uh, six years. And how old are you? 26. Man, unbelievable. Yeah. So you've been married for six, you're only 26 years old? I am. Okay, so I started, uh, my introduction of this interview with you was the realization as I write with guys like you that I will soon be out of a job. <laughs> you know, it's like you're 26. And that's that's why we're writing songs together, by the way. It's just, it's because yeah. I'm like, hey, uh, my career is probably going to be over any day. When I heard you sing the first time we worked together, we'll get to this later, but I remember hearing you sing in the studio when we wrote on your last album. Yeah. And I was like, and then you were like, hey, come and sing this song with me. And after I heard you sing, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to, it's like, I was intimidated. And uh, now no. here you are, 26 years old, and uh, now I'm even more intimidated. Listen, I'm the one sitting in the room with a legend, <laughs> so I should be intimidated. A legend espresso maker. Exactly, man. You should see that design. <laughs> it's delicious. I, I know. You and you did, you're free to leave a tip, by the way. But <laughs> so your wife and you you guys have been married for six years. Yeah. I want to talk about the adoption story as well. Yeah. But where did the adoption come in? 
Man. It's a beautiful story, yeah. and I think people are going to be moved by it. Yeah, so adoption was kind of in the back of our mind. We wanted to adopt one day. We got married pretty young. My wife was 19, I was 20, and we had a five-year plan to start having kids. So even at 19 and 20, you guys had five-year plans? Yeah, yeah. We were just like... You were already grown-ups. Five-year, 10-year, 15-year. And, and you know, we knew that we wanted to be together through, you know, the 100-year plan. But the life in between we are things that we kind of work through. And five years, we were like, yeah, let's start having kids when we're 25. That feels right. And uh, we're 26 now and have three kids. So that five-year plan went way <laughs> out the window. But it started in a moment we never saw coming. Like, I had a U-Haul, look. I've moved a lot. I was so, going to say, here comes a U-Haul here comes truck another U- Okay. With every good story of mine, a U-Haul truck hey, is probably involved. Be honest. Is U-Haul one of your sponsors? Is that yeah, why you keep mentioning? And this message comes to you. Uh, <laughs> if you use code French mustache, you could have... 20% <laughs> off. Uh, don't actually try Did that. Did you say French mustache? <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> no, French mustache is a totally different yeah, thing. Yeah, that's... Okay. okay. So, uh, U-Haul truck parked in my front yard. We had been married a year and a half, yeah. and we got asked to be a part of this church in Florida. We lived in Georgia at the time. All of our family's still in Georgia. And my mother-in-law shows up at our house, knocks on the door. I thought they were coming. My in-laws were coming to tell us goodbye. And they were, but they picked up a little prize on the way that no one really knew about until they got there. And they knocked on the door and I opened the door to our house and my mother-in-law standing there holding this four-month-old baby boy and who just got rescued out of living in a van a couple hours before. And in that moment, kids were not on my radar. Being a dad was the furthest thing from my mind. And I heard God whisper, you're his daddy. And I was like, nope, (laughs) and not me. And uh, I was like, I don't don't know what you mean. And to put it in perspective, I love kids. I've always loved kids. Like I helped out in children's ministry. My wife was a children's director, like worked summer camps. Like we loved kids and we babysat and things like that. But there was a difference when I saw this little boy. I instantly felt like I would die for him. Wow. And uh, that's not anything that had ever happened to me before. I kind of kept those thoughts to myself. And then the next day, my wife and I are driving to South Florida and we call each other and we're like, I think we just left our kid back there. Like, I, I felt God say that that's our child. And like, what does that mean? And through a crazy, crazy journey, we were just, and we wrote the song Wide Open about this on my first record. Yeah. But you have two options when God calls you to something you can say, nope, and run the other way, but you may just end up in the belly of a whale. And that's kind of what happens when you run from God. Or two, you can say, I'm scared to death, be honest and vulnerable and saying, okay, I can't do this on my own, but I trust you, God. And uh, we learned that that faith is living a life wide open and saying, my hands are yours. My life is yours. Do what you want with it. And so he wanted us to be parents. So we were babies trying to take care of another baby and we just were obedient. And so we moved to Florida a year and a half later through a lot of crazy fights and a lot of court days and ups and downs, Coleman, James, Austin, French became my son forever. Unbelievable. Is there a meaning to the name or a significance? Yeah, so his original name was Kenneth Cole. So, <laughs> Really? We, yeah, yeah, that was his original name. And uh, we decided <laughs> we were going to change that. And because, uh, you know, we I didn't used know- to love the <laughs> Kenneth Cole store as a kid. Kenneth Cole. That's crazy. Um, So we're like, ah, Kenneth, I don't really want to call him Kenneth. And so we started calling him Cole. And then we really 
loved this park in Nashville called Coleman Park. And so Coleman kind of came together. And then James was from the book of James, one of my favorite books in the Bible. It was funny. It was just Coleman James French was his name. But any time that you asked him his name, he would say, Coleman James Austin French. And oh, we're like, I love that. No way. No, nobody. It's Coleman James French. He was like, yeah, Coleman James Austin French. <laughs> what What was making him do that, do you think? I don't know. I He just, he just loves his he daddy. loved his daddy. So as I mean, an that's, artist. Oh, that's got to like oh, man, touch it, your heart. It did. And I think as an artist, people call you by your full name, Austin French. Yeah. And to him, I was daddy. But yeah. to everybody else, it was like Austin French. And he was like, well, I want to be Austin French. And and so we were like, okay. So on his new birth certificate, it says Coleman James Austin oh, French. That's, that's so. my favorite story ever. Yeah. So do you ever have people ask if your name's a stage name? Because I've had people <laughs> go, but that's your birth name? Yeah. So French is not like, no. It, you weren't yet at McDonald's thinking, <laughs> these fries are delicious. Yeah, I think this would be a better stage name. French fries. I love fries. It's a great name, and that's why somebody would ask, right? I guess so, yeah. And I never got asked that question until I started touring and doing radio visits. See, somebody asked me, they're like, is your name a stage name? Like, Matthew West. I'm like, no, that's not a stage name. But somebody, in fact, it was my friend Greg Long who was in the Christian group Avalon. Yeah. Remember? Uh, Avalon's one of my favorite Oh, yeah. Well, he was like, that's a stage name, right? I was like, no, it's not a stage name. But I never thought of it like yeah. that. It was like West and French, I mean, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just What if we thing. did like a collab, like a duo group, like a side project, yeah. West? West, French West. French West. <laughs> French mustache French West. mustache But that, what an incredible story. And that's why I'm so glad we got to talk about that because I was so moved. So you, you adopt this baby. He wanted his dad's name yeah. in there, which is so special. But then not long after, babies start coming. Yeah, I mean, Coleman had not come to live with us yet, and um, my wife got pregnant, and we're like, okay. How did that happen? Yeah, I'm I, just don't, I don't know, really. <laughs> no, can you yeah. tell me, like, how does this... Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, that's another podcast, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, it was intentional. Like, we thought, okay, we want him to grow up yeah. close to his siblings, and we really wanted him to have a little brother, and so we're like, oh, that'd be awesome, and so... We started trying, and yeah, it was actually crazy. Coleman came to live with us, and then two months later, my wife gave birth. So Unbelievable. So from no kids to a two-year-old and an infant in like two months. And you're in a new job. Yeah. Were you leading worship at the church or so something? So I was leading worship, and then we moved to Nashville. So I actually was out of a job when we got With Coleman, two babies. With two babies and a lot of prayers. So how were you paying the bills? So this is kind of what I did when I first moved to town. I realized everything I needed to do as an artist and that I needed to pay for. So like graphics, websites, YouTube videos, lyric videos, those kind of things, and vocal lessons even. And I was like, okay, I know I need to pay someone to do that. So maybe I can figure out how to do those things. I had no idea how to do those things. I was going to say, like, (laughs) you could give me vocal lessons. I was going to pay you after this interview. (laughs) Perfect. My plan has worked. So you started developing those actual skills instead of hiring them out. I just got on YouTube and figured out how to build websites, how to make graphics, how to work Photoshop, and these other... That's how I learned how to do the A in your espresso. YouTube? YouTube. See, it works. It is incredible what you can learn right now. Oh, absolutely. I provided for my family for a year and a half in Nashville just by doing those things, not playing music at all. So what would you do? You would teach voice? I would teach vocal lessons, reach out to different artists that were kind of up and coming, 
my mom taught vocal lessons in our house growing up. Okay, so, so you kind of knew. So I knew what you needed to do, and I knew the technique, and I knew what to teach people. I had just never really done it. And I taught guitar lessons as a kid. I grew up in a family that was like not super well off. And so all of us, when we could, we got jobs, and I learned really quickly how to be self-employed. And hustle. Yes, you kind of have to hustle, and you have to go after it. I and- see that in you. Like I think we have a lot in common in that area of, You guys, 2020 has forced me to reluctantly embrace a role that I normally shy away from. I'd much rather focus on my titles of recording artist or songwriter or podcast host, but 2020 has reminded me that I can't neglect my role as CEO. I've got to make sure my team is taken care of, and I've got to find the right people to help navigate these crazy times. So whether you're ready to make your next important hire or need some rehiring tips, Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash West. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash West. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. I've worked with a lot of artists who maybe don't have this drive deep within them, right? You know, maybe stuff's come easy for them. Right. And it just kind of winds up promoting this, hey, it's just going to come to me. Mm -hmm. I don't have to go out and get it. But I see you, like, in in the best way, like, have a real drive and a hunger. So that comes kind of from childhood. Yeah, I mean, hopefully my kids kind of get the opportunity to do that. But kind of what really did it for me was I grew up in a broken home. Like, my dad and my mom split up when I was eight. And so my mom was a single mom, three kids, three jobs. And I watched her hustle to pay the bills. And so it was like, okay, it's built in. Like, I know that you got to fight for your life. And you have to fight to survive. And so when we moved to Nashville, it was like, okay, We're in a new town. I just left a full-time worship pastor job, and I have two kids on the way. Probably left insurance and stuff like that Yeah, we left everything behind. And did you do that for a record deal? Is that what you're moving to Nashville? Yeah, we got a record deal, and I was like, okay, really, I could have made it happen in in Florida, Florida, but I realized I would never see my family. Right. And so touring, everything kind of came out of Nashville. I knew if I didn't make the move— then I would miss out on the sweetest moments with my kids. And so I just felt like the Lord was like, okay, you're either going to choose family and trust me, or you could stay comfortable and miss out on a lot of things with your family. So we moved to this little townhouse in Nashville and not the best neighborhood. And we're like, okay, this is what we can afford. And God provided. Man, I remember having $20 in my bank account and rent due the next day. And God did miracles. Like I would get a check in the mail the day rent was due for the exact amount from anonymous people yeah. sometimes. And then you get that million dollar royalty check that, that <laughs> everybody still, thinks every artist right, gets, right? right? I'm still waiting on that one. <laughs> but people don't understand that like 
the average person thinks, oh, well, Austin French got a record deal. All his problems went away. But the reality oh, is, is when you're starting your career, you don't always have the kind of leverage as an artist to really like negotiate yeah. a deal that makes you, you know, and that's just how business goes. That's yeah. not like anybody being unfair. Right. It's just the reality is you signed that record deal. That mm -hmm. didn't mean, in fact, I remember Austin, I don't know if this relates to you, but I actually made more money my last year of being an independent artist mm -hmm. than the first two years of me being signed by a record label because I was self-sustaining. I was booking my own shows. Yeah. There were less people pulling money out of my pocket. Absolutely. And then I signed a record deal and everything kind of stops because you're going to make that record. Right. You're not playing as many shows. So people don't quite understand that oh, that man. $20 in the bank account can be a very real thing. And yeah. you're, you're waiting just like everybody else for the Lord to provide. Absolutely, man. And that's it. We're waiting for the Lord to provide and that postures you to need God. And so I would say... I never experienced God more than when I needed him the most oh, um, because I couldn't be my provider. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's what I learned. And that's the way we live our life even currently is yeah. like we experience God in such a sweet way through our adoption, through literally 20 bucks in our bank account. Then when we were comfortable mm -hmm. kind of working at a church, not that we didn't see God move, but we weren't desperate for his presence oh, in yeah. our life. There is a positioning. You know? There's a positioning of, of what trial does for you in your right. life and how it positions you in a place of dependence. Yeah. You know, the world sees somebody on their knees as a sign of weakness. Mm. But when we're brought to our knees by trials, I mean, we're living in a world yeah. right now where over 40 million people unemployed. Yeah. People are being brought to their knees one by one. And yeah. rather that being a sign of weakness, if being brought to our knees makes us lift our eyes and remind us of our dependence on God. You're Absolutely. exactly right. It's those weakest moments where we're like, wait a minute, who am I to think that I can make it one day mm -hmm. without God's help in my life? Yep. And yet when things are going well, yeah, it's like, I got this, Yep, right? Yeah. You're relying on your voice, your skills, your ability. Totally. You've hustled all your life too, right? right? And, and it's easy to rely on that. Like, okay, if I work hard enough yeah. or if I make it happen for yeah. myself, but it's the posturing. It's like waking up every morning saying, man, I don't really deserve the breath I have today. Mm -hmm. It's a gift mm -hmm. given by a God who loves me. And if you posture your life that way, a lot of people will say, I don't believe in God because I don't see the evidence of God in my life. Well, realize that you're a walking miracle. You wrote a song, I think, with Micah Tyler called Walking Miracles, right? Well, I put out a song called Walking Miracles oh, that's on right. my that's record. Right. Thanks for listening to yep. my album. Yep. Sounds it's like you're great. a big fan. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, but, so Micah Tyler gets a shout out, but yeah, no, no, but yeah. we wrote a song with Micah called walking free. That's it. Walking yeah, free. So walk, I like to put walking in yeah, I, like four songs a month yeah, have the word we'll, walking. We'll write a song a day. We'll put walking, <laughs> walking out, yeah. <laughs> walk on, <laughs> but your song walking miracles. It's yeah. like, that's what it is. It's mm -hmm. posturing of understanding, man, the breath, the steps that I get to take today are all these miracles yeah. that are happening around us. And if you look at God in that way, you're going to see evidence all around you and it will fuel your faith and not deteriorate it. You Love know, like it. it's not going to fall apart because you realize the sun is a miracle. When you've seen God come through, mm -hmm. it's hard too, because I do feel like as a Christian, there's, I hope I'm not the only one. Hopefully you'll nod your head in agreement of there's some things that I feel like I have to learn over and over again. Yeah. Like I just, why can't I learn it just <laughs> once? And, and really one of the biggest ones for me is just, why do I race to be like, self-sufficient all mm -hmm. the time. Like, why do I get ahead of God? And and I, I don't mean to, it's like, I want to live my life independence. Yeah. But for me, it's like, 
the biggest seasons of dependence were like, okay, I had surgery on my voice and mm -hmm. I can't speak. Yeah. Well, that I was helpless to fix it, Jeez. right? Yeah. And like with your adoption story, I mean, you take that step of faith and the starting of your careers, like those moments where you're like, hey, I'm either going to get a record deal or I'm not. <laughs> I'm helpless. I can yeah. try to be as good as I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm imagining you showcased for... Oh, yeah. Right? Showcased for a couple of labels and did you get passed on i want to know oh like, yeah i love hearing <laughs> this sounds weird or maybe sinister <laughs> but i love hearing rejection stories oh, i, I don't want to hear names yeah but i just think that the obstacles that we overcome help us become the artists that we are like i feel like i'm a firm believer that god placed people in my life to doubt me to stoke the fires within me, that, that that God put people in my life to reject me mm. because he was preparing me for uh -huh. what was to come and, and helping me grow and want to get better. Yeah. You know, because some people hit rejection and they quit. Yeah. The ones who are still sitting in the studio right. writing songs today have faced rejection. It's mm -hmm. not that they never faced rejection. Absolutely. They faced it head on and it motivated them to get better. It has to. That's kind of how I got an actual record deal. I came to town, worked with some writers, Jeff Pardo, actually. Yes, yeah. our mutual friend. Yep, mutual friend. Great. Jeff was in my band for yep. long. He's an incredible songwriter oh, and producer. And that's the first producer, really, that took a chance on me. He's a horrible guy, but really <laughs> it's great talent. just because he's from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we give each other such yeah. a hard time, but he's one of the best. So he's one of the first people that yes. really took an interest? The first guy that really took an interest in me and then introduced me to pretty much every label in town. Wow. I remember having meetings with people, and some people were interested. Some people were like, okay, let's just see how this plays out, play the back burner. But for a couple labels, they were like, okay, let's put you in a couple song rights, see what come out. Right. And then they're like, all right, can you come in for a showcase? And I'm like, this is it. Like, I have a record deal. Yeah, like, this is going to yeah. happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this is, I feel like, one of the most embarrassing rejections. Have you ever watched The Bachelor? Uh, should I? Yeah, okay, don't. Well, if I that. say yes, I, I just wasn't sure what to say. I was you like, know, ah. well, this show, the, that yes, show, I have. Yes, I so have. many people cry on national television, yeah. and it's I am embarrassed for them. I'm like, oh, this isn't yeah, the it's best. Terrible. They're and, sobbing. Yes, they're oh, sobbing. I can't believe he did that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so take that that image in your mind, and then I will tell you what happened to me. So I showcased at a record label. Now, my dad was in, like, a super serious car accident in the process of me, like, coming to town writing songs. And so I wrote a song about it. The song was pretty good. At least the label thought so. So they wanted me to put it in the showcase. And I'm a talker. Like, I like to set up songs. You're and a good communicator. Thanks. Not everybody can do that. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, I've heard artists, obviously, where when they're singing – it's money. Yeah. And then when you ask them a question, they struggle with that. So right. that's something that you really, I can tell, are gifted I, at. And I just love sharing the heart behind mm -hmm. songs. Well, I started singing these songs, the upbeat songs up at the front of the showcase. The whole label is there. You know, the president of the label is oh, yeah, there. Yeah. The A&R team, the radio Pressure's team. Pressure's on. Everybody's in this small little room, me and an acoustic guitar. And I get up there and... The first two songs go great, and then I get to this ballad that I wrote about my dad's car accident, and I start sharing. And man, I could not like hold it together. I'm just like boohooing oh on stage, just like oh my dad, I love you, daddy. And, I'm sorry for laughing, but I'm true. picturing this. And, uh, and so I'm like ugly crying, and then I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna sing this song that I wrote about it. And oh. uh, and so I start singing this song. I think everybody just felt bad for me afterwards because everybody talked to me. They were like, oh, it was amazing. Great job. Like, So um, it didn't. So I felt like it was awesome. Yeah. But I was like. Like they were maybe moved by right, it. Right, moved by it. I'm like, okay, cool. And then 
no one called me. What? No, we heard nothing. And did you like walk away from that thinking it was because you had a a little bit of a breakdown? Well, you know, I showed a super vulnerable part of me. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, okay, that's why I relate it back to The Bachelor because like these people, (laughs) these people, you know, the only thing that didn't really happen that happened on The Bachelor was like, I got super vulnerable and got a million Instagram followers because of it. Well, plus you weren't drunk. Like most of them on The Bachelor, it feels like they're drunk and then they're drunk crying. Yep. And then they like make a bad decision. Exactly. Exactly. So I just shared my heart and I just boohooed in front of this whole label and I'm like, great, it's done. They didn't, and then about three or four weeks later, they call us. We're like, yeah, I think we're just going to pass. And I'm like, ah, like I felt like I put everything out there. And so I either had an option. I remember my manager, like none of us knew what to do. And I just started praying. I was like, okay, God, I feel like you've given me songs. I'm just going to put out something on my own. I'm going to try oh. to fund it. I did a Kickstarter. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start writing songs for myself. And in the midst of that, we still had producers in yeah. town that would somewhat work with us as an independent artist. And so I started coming to town and writing. And I remember getting a phone call after a song I wrote a day before from Fairtrade Services here in town, which is the label that I'm yeah. on now. And they were like, hey, we heard this song. We'd love to meet with you. And I had met with Fairtrade before. Yeah. They just weren't really signing anybody. Right, right. They only signed like a one or two artists a year, maybe. Smaller label. Smaller yeah. label and a great label, but they just weren't looking at Great label, yeah. So I was like, okay, like I'll meet with you. And, and they were like, hey, we really love the hustle that we've seen. We love that you're coming to do this without us. And this is what I say. Anybody that's listening to this podcast that... Nobody's listening, by No the way. one. No Sorry, one. I should have started by <laughs> oh, telling cool, you. Cool. Yeah, we're just going to hold on to this and never release it. <laughs> so this is for Matthew. Yeah, uh, Matthew, this is for me. When you go back me. and listen to this, but everybody thinks that record labels take artists that have nothing going on and make them superstars that's yeah. that's what i thought growing up and i'm like man Dude. like i just need a record label <laughs> but what i realize is that record labels want to see that you are a freight train with or without them oh yeah and it's their job just to lay the tracks in Dude, front of you that is such wisdom for you at 26 years old and one album out yeah one album you're, we're gonna talk about your yeah. second album that you're working on but for you to have that understanding now is I can't tell you and I'm sure that you only know that because I've poured that wisdom into you <laughs> and I'm sure you were about to say that but yeah, yeah. that is so true and I'll tell you the label that finally signed me at the beginning in the meeting they were like look we're looking at what you're doing and it's like you're doing it with or without us. Yeah. You're, you got 200 shows on your schedule. Mm-hmm. All you need is somebody to step alongside you. Yep. And a lot of times we think that the label or, and really in any profession, if we're waiting for somebody to blaze the trail for us right. that God's called us to, no, no, no. We're going to step out in faith, even if we don't see the steps in yeah. front of us. And we got to trust that the road's going to rise up to meet us and that God's going to place champions in our life and believers along the way. Totally. But such a huge lesson to learn. Yeah. And I'll be honest, when I first signed my record, record deal i remember sitting back for a few months like going well now the machine's gonna kick in Mm -hmm. and now all my hard work is gonna pay off because they're gonna multiply i mean now they're gonna expand my territory and about three four months in i was like oh wait a minute the machine's not gonna kick in i am the machine yeah and i don't mean that in a self-empowerment kind of way i just mean like no 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 
for this to work, I have to have every bit of the drive that I had as an independent artist as I do now. And I think what oh, you're yeah. saying, I mean, that's exactly what absolutely you're working harder now than you were totally. in the beginning. It's right? just a different way. You know, yeah. like I'm not calling youth groups up every day saying, can I come play <laughs> my really bad songs for you? Although, like, hey, man, we might be doing that. <laughs> it's at- true. Hey, if you're listening, I, I can come to your youth group. I've done more wedding Zoom calls uh, and like, I feel like, man, all things are on the table at yep. this point. But isn't it comforting to know? I don't. I wonder if in your alone moments, like, because I've had moments where I've thought to myself, gosh, you know what? I'm thankful for all the Lord has done and the stages that I get to get on and the tours I get to do. As my platform continues to grow, though, always in the back of my mind, I can remember Jitters and Rush Coffee Shop in Champaign, Illinois, Mm. with me and an acoustic guitar and four people listening and how fulfilling it was to get a smile out of that one person or to have that, you know, sometimes those humble beginnings, it's it's like, you know, they say, naked I came into this world, naked I will leave. (laughs) I've watched artists in the beginning of their career, then they become these big time Mm. artists. And then every one of us has a season and it's going to look different. You know, our level of popularity will look different, but to know that the Lord can use you, what you've experienced is the Lord using you in front of five people before you sing in front of 5,000. Yeah. And I've seen you on the Winter Jam stage. I mean, you've seen some dreams come true. You stood and played and sang in front of thousands of people, but you're not above going and singing for 20 people either. And some of my favorite memories are actually with the five people. Isn't that it? You know? I mean... There's a level there that you actually get to tangibly see the impact yeah not that i don't love playing for five thousand people but it's harder to grasp what's happening to a crowd of five thousand than it is to watch five people's lives change because of something you shared don't you feel like the lockdown season in 2020 and the shows canceling kind of almost even reminded you a little bit Mm. of the importance of how jesus looked at crowds yeah seeing past the crowd to see the individual Jesus was walking through the crowd and the woman who'd been bleeding for years touches his garment and he sees that, stops that, changes that person's life. Right. And I feel like too many times, guys like you and me, as our platforms grow, we can lose touch with that importance of those individual moments. In a weird way, 2020 is kind of just, you know what I'm saying? Oh, Have you felt that? It's funny because you think about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Yeah. You think of all these massive crowds. And then but you have to remember it all started with a small gathering of people, like right. 12 disciples or before then. And then it grew into the crowd. Yes. You know, like yes. as artists, like on Winter Jam, that's the biggest stage I've ever had in my career. And I walked into a crowd of five to 10,000. It was just there. And I think this whole 2020 lockdown, yeah, it's shown me that, man, it's not about the size of the crowd. Mm -hmm. It's not about the size of the stage. It's about an individual. Mm -hmm. The gospel isn't just for me to be a glutton with, right? Like to hold on to and to use for my personal gain. It's this thing that's beautifully and sacrificially been given for me. Mm -hmm. And it's the 99 for the one, right? Like it's, it's the one is important. Well, we get consumed by the 99 because we're in this hamster wheel of proving to everybody, including ourselves, that we are viable, valid, relevant, selling enough records to make our record label continue to believe in us, right? We don't want to wind up back auditioning for a label and and weeping in front of them. That's right. (laughs) Thanks for bringing that up. I I don't know who did that. It's my favorite story. (laughs) 
My friends, you don't need me to tell you about all the negatives of 2020. The list is long and we are all very well aware. Am I right? So instead, I'm going to take a second to focus on one of the positives I've noticed, one of the silver linings around this great big cloud called 2020, and that is the word community. In spite of being separated, in spite of lockdown and six feet apart, I've seen community take shape in new and exciting ways, and some of that's because of technology. I'm thinking about my friend Matt and his wife Kate. They had a baby and we weren't able to visit, but through technology, I was able to send a meal their way. I almost sent it to the wrong address, but that's another story. It's been exciting to see how our normal has changed, but we're all finding new ways to connect and continue to support one another. What we need more than ever is an easy way to do that, to support each other from afar. With the PayPal app, sending and receiving money is faster or easier. Stay connected with people you love, quickly and securely send money to friends and family just about anywhere in the world. You can even start a money pool to split the bill, go in on a gift or fundraise for a good cause. I love that. Support the places and causes you care about most. Make touch-free QR code payments at your favorite local restaurant or farmer's market. You can donate to a local nonprofit or support a cause from across the country. PayPal is making it easy to pay safely, quickly, and easily. Download the PayPal app today. Terms and conditions apply. I want to just real quick go back to something I forgot to ask you about. You were talking about The Bachelor. <laughs> you were not on The Bachelor, but you were on a TV show oh, at was. one point. And I don't remember where it falls in yeah. your career, but it's before you got a record deal, you went on. Yeah, it was a show called Rising Star. It was on ABC. I was serving at a church in Tifton, Georgia, okay. and I uh, got a phone call. Now, I was engaged at the time. Our wedding day was set for August 1st. Venue booked, reception place booked, everything, like invitations have been sent out. And I got a phone call on April Fool's Day, of all the days, yeah. from an executive producer of ABC saying they want me to be a part of this TV show. Wow. And I'm like, oh, this is hilarious. Like, Bye. And I hung up the phone on him because I, I thought, thought it was, it was a, a I thought prank. it was a joke, like a prank. And then I looked it up online really quick and I was like, oh no. Like you blew it. This is real. Yeah. <laughs> and so I called back and I was like, You still want me, right? And they're like, Yeah. So I went and auditioned the next day and I made it onto the show. So I thought I would be literally thought I would be like eliminated first round. And but you made it through the first round? Made it through the first round, made it through the second round, ended up getting second place on the show. Dang. And uh, it was interesting, got married in the middle of the show. You know how you would have won first place, right? Why? That French mustache. That, I should have had the mustache. If you had the mustache, you probably would have. So you got Hindsight. second place on Rising place. Star? Yeah, I don't know how. It was crazy. But then all the record deal stuff, it didn't come <laughs> flooding in after Here, that? Here is why. And I found this out really quick. A lot of singers can sing well, but it takes an artist to tell a story. And people don't just want to be sang at, they want to be spoken to. Yeah, and so that's good. I originally got pawned off as a good singer. Even the judges on my show, mm -hmm. they were like, yeah, I don't know what he would do. Like, he's a great singer, but the thing about TV shows is that you don't get to show anybody you're an artist. They know that you can like copy a picture, 
but they don't know that you can make something original. Well, that's why there's been so many artists who've succeeded on those shows, but they're not really artists. They're good singers, and maybe why they're not long-standing careers. I mm-hmm. do think the key, there's a lot of good singers who have good careers, yeah. but there's a lot of artists who have great careers right. and long-standing ones because they're able to tell a story like you right. said. And hearing your story right now, what's crazy is a lot of that part of your story hadn't happened yet. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you had to live some more life. Right. So from Rising Star, I didn't realize that you won second place. And so that's why there was a delay. You weren't getting a record deal right away. It took some time for yeah. you to live some life. Right. Develop your story. And, and now here you are. Yep. Rising Star. It did can it. I Google? Like, can I find videos of that? And like, <laughs> yes, you do you can. have a hairstyle that I can make oh, fun of? Oh man, I was I was a chunky dumpling. Uh, really? Back then a little bit. That's and, that's uh, what my nickname is now. Chunky, <laughs> chunky dumpling. Can I call you that hey, from hey, now on? Hey, chunky dumpling. Uh, <laughs> introducing. I'm gonna have to go find that video. <laughs> okay, I want to ask you a couple final questions. Yep. Your last record, you were gracious enough to let me sing with you on it, which was so much Come fun. On. We wrote that song, Wide Open. Yeah. I love hearing the significance of Wide Open, and you're living your life yeah. by the songs that you sing, trying to be obedient to the yeah. Lord in that. Freedom Hymn, Born Again, Why God. Those were the songs that people would right. know on the radio. And yeah. But Freedom Hymn and Born Again, they hit me as like telling your salvation story, Absolutely, right? Of the man. freedom you found in Christ. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that I ask every guest is I ask about their blue couch story. Mm. And what I mean by that is, so I found God on a blue couch. Growing mm. up in my hometown of Downers Grove, I was watching a Billy Graham crusade yeah. by accident, yeah. sitting on the blue couch in my living room and really just felt like something was about to take place. And my mom sat down next to me with Billy Graham in the background. <laughs> I asked Jesus into my heart. Wow. And one of the things that I love is because sometimes I think people have a moment like that mm-hmm. with the Lord And then life happens and they start to feel a million miles away from that. And so Mm. when I hear somebody else's blue couch story, it kind of brings me back to that because I think that's God's plan for us. Not Mm. to feel a million miles from the blue couch moments of our lives, but to stay close and to know that God has stayed close with us through that. So with that, like, I'm curious, what's been the blue couch moment Mm. in your life or the moment where you really felt like you first heard God calling you saying, I have a plan for you. Oh man, I was in eighth grade and the life that I lived before that moment played into how I experienced God the first time. I grew up in a church family. My grandpas were church planners, evangelists, and people would call our family the most godliest family from the outside looking in because that's the way we looked and we played a a really big part of putting on mask every Sunday. And so as an eight-year-old little boy, I remember actually going to my my closet. I had this little journal. I would go and write ideas and I thought I was going to be, you know, a a singer or songwriter one day. So I would just write these titles or these little ideas, things that, that would happen. But I remember going and grabbing that journal one day and writing the words, I will never be a Christian. Mm. Um, I saw this crazy thing happened in my house. So my dad was a worship pastor. My mom was a music teacher. They both grew up in church and my dad was working in a church. And when we would get to the car after church, it would just feel like World War III broke out. And I remember the pep talks before we got out of the car every Sunday. Hey, hide the bruises, hide the scars, hide the stories. Don't tell anybody what's going on at home. Wear a smile on your face and let's go to church. So I was like, screw church. I didn't want to be a Christian because because I thought the godliest man in my family and the godliest man in my world was one way at church, one way at home. And I was scared all the time. 
I decided if that's what being a Christian looks like, I don't want to be one as an eight-year-old little boy. And so actually that year was a really big year because my parents got a divorce. The church that we were in actually kicked us out asked us to never come back. It was embarrassing the fact that their worship pastor had kind of fallen from grace. And they were like, hey, we just kind of want to distance ourselves from that. So my mom and three kids, like my parents now split up. We found this little church to go to in the country of Cordell, Georgia is where I grew up in this little town and a church called Ebenezer Baptist Church. It was about 50 people. They had a small little youth group there. I kind of grew up in the children's ministry and then the youth group. And I was not a Christian. I played the part of a Christian for my mom, answered the questions, knew the answers to the questions. But I decided when I was 18, I would just hit the road, do what I wanted, and never look back. But my mom was doing three jobs just to feed us. And so I decided I'd play the part of a Christian for a while. And then I wanted to play guitar. Eighth grade, John Mayer's record came out, uh, Continuum. And oh, unbelievable. That's, right? that's the record that was like, okay, I want to be a guitar player. <laughs> and number one, I think I could get girls with this. Oh, <laughs> and, um, and yep. So that's kind of why I started playing guitar. And then my mom saw that I wanted to play guitar. Yeah. So eighth grade summer, she sent me to this Christian music camp kind of thing. I had a guitar player teacher who taught me basic chords and progressions. And I was like, okay, this is going to be great. And they had this chapel every day. I rolled my eyes every time I walked in. And either the night before the last night or the last night of the camp, a guy got on stage and he said these words that I don't ever forget. He said, don't judge Jesus on the broken people he came to save because broken people hurt broken people, but Jesus wants broken people. Love that. And man, I had felt real broke for a long time. So that hit home. And I had seen a lot of broke people and that I'd hidden behind this mask of perfection. And I realized that Jesus didn't die for my perfection. Jesus died because I was broken Mm -hmm. and he's the Mm -hmm. only thing that could heal me. So I knew a lot about Jesus is what I tell people was like my blue couch moment was a church pew in the very back of this old chapel at a summer camp when I realized that I knew a lot about Jesus, but I had never met the guy. And that's when I decided I wanted to follow Jesus was because I realized that I needed him, not just knowing him or about him. It was believing the true identity of who he was. Now it's time for Songs from the Storyhouse. Today's song from the Storyhouse is featured on Austin's latest EP that just released. The EP is called Wake Up Sleeper. We got together one day here at the studio with our good buddy Jonathan Smith, and the three of us wrote today's song from the Storyhouse, Jesus Can. But who turns a broken dream into a life redeemed? When I think of songs for the story house as it relates to Austin French, I think of this song, Jesus Can, mm-hmm. that we got to write together and you really got, I mean, you just really went for it. You yeah. just got down to business and shared the story yeah. of your relationship with your dad. Yeah. What was that like for you and why did you feel like it's important to share Man. that with people? It's me, you know, like I can try to write a song for someone else. 
But in my experience, it's the songs that you write that only you can sing that actually ends up reaching a thousand people. A hundred percent. Because so many people can relate, and I think people want something real because they're in something real. The first line is, picture this. An eight-year-old kid growing, growing up, up in, in Georgia, Georgia, having a hard time with the world that he was seeing. Coming home from school, scared to death, and always wondering what kind of mood his dad would be in. Picture this, an eight-year-old kid growing up in Georgia, having a hard time with the world that he was seeing. Coming home from school, scared to death, and always wondering what kind of mood his dad would be in. That kind of home can do a number on you. Mom and dad broke up, and I guess I broke too. I grew up thinking nothing good could ever come from a story like mine. And that's the way I grew up. And that gets me like right there. And it's like, yeah. you know what? I had a totally different relationship with my dad. Mm. But hearing you say those words, it hits me because how many kids yeah. are in that situation right, right now? Scared to death of coming home, mm-hmm. right? But the fact that you found such healing in your life to oh, be able man. to... T- and that's really what it takes, isn't it? It's redemption. Yeah. And I think if you're honest about the dirty parts of your life and the messy parts of your life... We're not supposed to be these picture-perfect people. Like, that leaves no room for redemption in your life. Jesus died on the cross for redemption. My relationship with my dad now is awesome, but it was really terrible. So have you told him you wrote that song? I have. I sent it to him. And even to go even further, like, we're writing a book about it. Wow. Um, Now, actually, like, about the song. Like, the song really inspired that. Dude, that's going to speak to people. Yeah. That was a goosebump moment when we were in here, you and me and our buddy Jonathan Smith. Mm-hmm. There's just those moments where there's sometimes we write songs like, man, that's cool. Yeah. And there's sometimes you write a song you're like, man, that just feels real. It right, feels yeah. honest. So I'm glad you're writing a book. Yeah, I think it just needed more story. Man, I'm just so fired up. I've loved becoming friends with you and I think what's going to happen is if only we had people who listen to this podcast, every (laughs) single one of them would go right now and listen to the music of Austin French and be impacted, but also listen to it and understand it on a deeper level. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're going to make sure that the links to your music and the songs we've talked about are going to be in the show notes. And uh, I'm excited now. We get to go write a song together. Let's do it. And I've got some ideas based on stuff you've already said. Oh, perfect. Thanks for hanging with me at the Story House. This has been great. Thanks for having me. Awesome, dude. Oh, here we go. It's the time in the show where my dad, Reverend Joseph West, gives some good advice. And that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. He is my dad and he gives good advice. And that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Dad, are you ready to do this? I'm more than ready. Now, we're a few podcasts in. Have you figured out what a podcast is yet? You know, I'm still working on that. All right. Don't worry about it. It's okay. okay. Dad's a little technologically challenged, (laughs) but biblically, he is not challenged. (laughs) He is inspired. And so what's your word for us today, Dad? The word for today is 
And the encouragement for today is hide God's word. I like that. I like that. I think I know what scripture you're going for. I think so. And the reason I already probably know this scripture is because you've encouraged me ever since I was a kid to hide God's word in my heart, which is another way of saying, memorize it, remember it, keep it close at all times. And so go ahead and uh, read this scripture. Well, it's Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I'm actually impressed that normally you go with like a, I've caught you reading the King James Version quite a bit, not the message translation, (laughs) but there might be a, that I might not sin against thee or something (laughs) like that, right? I remember listening to the Bible on tape as a kid. We would get in that red station wagon and you would have this giant booklet of cassettes and you'd pop it in (laughs) and we'd have to listen to the Old Testament all the way to Disney World. That was painful as a kid, but I'm thankful for it now. Right? Isn't that funny how something painful makes you thankful later? But I love that scripture and I love that reminder. Yes. Well, one of my greatest memories of our vacations was traveling and we'd save our nickels and dimes to go to Florida and we'd be in that old red wagon and I would bribe you guys to memorize scripture. Right. Say I'd give you a dollar or two or or whatever, <laughs> but yet it just emphasizes to me the importance of knowing God's word, hiding it in your heart. And there are many reasons why we need to know God's word. And the psalmist said here, one of the greatest reasons is that we can conquer sin through that. We put God's word in our hearts so we can go up against the battle of sin. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory mm-hmm. of God. And so our greatest battle is our, our sinful nature. And how do we go up against that is to put God's word in our heart. When Jesus was tempted, he quoted the Word of God. The Word of God would be the most powerful tool we have to fight every battle. And believe me, you're going to have battle after battle. And our kids will, and our marriages will, and, and we need God's Word to win that battle. Dad, thank you for always bringing a good word here because uh, I know Dad Vice is something that has helped me, and I know it's going to help those who are listening right now. So today's encouragement, hide God's word in your heart. Well, how do I start doing that? Open God's word. Open your version app. I mean, even just spending time in this podcast, you're being filled with the truth of God's word and his promises. I want to encourage you to go visit our ministry's website, Pop We. That's our ministry, right, Dad? Right. Dad's my pop, so uh, it's called Pop We, and our <laughs> website is popwe.org. Pop We is one of the sponsors of the podcast, and our heartbeats are very much the same. When you go to popwe.org, you're going to be able to submit a prayer request. You can even tell your story. Who knows? Maybe your story will even be featured on our podcast. You can also read some powerful stories. You can get some awesome devotional material. You can sign up to receive a free weekly day one Devo that comes straight to your email inbox and will help encourage you to hide God's word in your heart. So go visit popweed.org for more information. Dad, thanks for some dad advice. Hey, thank you. Well, that's our show for today. I want to thank my guest, Austin French. Be sure to go and listen to his latest EP, Wake Up Sleeper. I'm going to post a link in the show notes. Where are the show notes, by the way? Glad you asked. MatthewWest.com slash podcast. That's MatthewWest.com slash podcast. When you go there, you'll find all the information that you would ever need to find for any episode of the podcast. 
Last but not least, next week is VIP Q&A episode time. That means it's your episode. It's your chance to tell me a story or ask me a question. To do that, call the podcast hotline at 601-301-2208. That's 601-301-2208. I can't wait to hear from you. We're going to have so much fun next week. Now... Go and make the most of the one story that God's put you on this earth to tell, a story that only you can tell. But don't forget who the real author of your story is. It's your story for His glory. Thanks for joining me today. God bless you. I really hope you like it. <laughs> but seriously, I, I, I do.